Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's showtime! Welcome to episode 4 of Homo Sapiens. Hey sir, what's your name? Will Young. What's my name? Chris Trini. And you're listening to... Homo Sapiens! It gets more and more like kind of American football chant every week, doesn't it? Why do we want? Homo! When do we want them? Now! <laughs> <laughs> that needs some work. What are you eating there, Will? Well, I want to call it Kafka, but I think Kafta or Kafka isn't he a very famous philosopher or something? Kofters. Kofters, yeah. We've had a long day. We haven't eaten oh much. So I did the I did the gentlemanly thing and yeah. brought us some lamb kofters. Coming up this week, Chris goes round for dinner with a Nigerian activist, Bisi Alimi. He was a fairly famous actor, I would say, in Nigeria, and then he came out publicly on a TV chat show. He was outed, wasn't he, on the chat show? Yeah, and that's when everything changed for him. Everyone was watching it and I was like, my God, what have I just done? And then my, my boyfriend, I remembered after the show, he just looked at me and just said, you're screwed. What was it like meeting him? I think with all these people who've done something really extraordinary, they didn't even realise how amazing it what they have done is it comes back to beliefs when it was discovered that he was gay his agent said to him well we need to find you a girl to be dating publicly and we can get rid of all of this and he said I don't want to do that so in the face of it being illegal to be homosexual in Nigeria knowing that his family would ostracise him he wouldn't get any work all of those things he still chose to stick to his beliefs and he only came to England because he had to his parents said to him you should get out of here because you're going to be killed Meeting him is really interesting because he just tells this story. You cannot believe how he carried on. And he just believed in himself and he hit rock bottom so many times. But he, the man is a ray of sunshine. He's so funny, so nice. And he just sticks to his beliefs. And that's why it's a really inspirational story to hear. It's something that I can't imagine. And I think those people become true heroes. And to really have that strength inner strength to go no I'm going to be who I am to be faced with the very definite possibility of being killed mm. makes it a lot more real and brings up for me even more the courage that he has I just think that's really inspiring it's very current because at the moment 42 people have just been arrested in Nigeria and are being held purely for the crime of being homosexual. And one of the conditions of bail is that they agree to go to a sexual rehabilitation clinic where you are 
Oh, yeah. It's, um, cured of being gay is yeah. probably not quite the right thing to say, but that's what's going on there right now and has been for some time. And, you know, there is so much work to be done and to be as fearless as him in striving to change that is amazing. And what he said, which I loved, is he said, this isn't about gay rights. This is about human rights. You know, he works a lot as an activist for HIV. He himself is HIV positive, but he has been trying to campaign to get people medicine so that they won't die. You know, that's a human right. Quite, quite rightly, he's saying it's a human right. It's not to do with being gay. I think it is about human rights. When I think of gay pride, I think it should become all about human rights. Mm. You know, everyone's different. Everyone's entitled to be their own person because mm. no one's the same. And if people are attacked for that, I mean, we've come a long way in this country. It, it makes me really sad and angry when I think of people that are, you know, we have, we've got some listeners in Nigeria, haven't we? We do have that. And Uganda, I think. And Uganda. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's amazing. I love the fact that people will be listening from those countries and I hope that they're okay. Do you think Desert Island Discs gets many uh, I think Desert listeners Island in Uganda? hate us. <laughs> They probably don't get many listeners in Nigeria, though, do they? Oh, can we go on Women's Hour? Have we asked? Have we asked? <laughs> <laughs> do we talk about yeah. this every time? <laughs> we do. Please, can we go on Women's Hour? If not, do okay, Jenny. top three radio shows you'd like to go on. Oh, my God, what a great game. Uh, Women's Hour, Women's Hour, um, LBC. LBC? Hey, it's Here's Paul. the thing. Oh, it's Paul here. Here's the thing. It's Paul here. Um, someone... Trashed my escort. I know where you are. I know it's Colin from next door. I didn't what trash your escort. What was it? 1.4, was it? Paul? Yeah, 1.4. He pissed in the exhaust. Oh, great traction <laughs> on that. <laughs> he pisses in an exhaust. We've all been there. Well, mm. I sat with someone in the back of a one, Peugeot 106. It was awful. It was my only heterosexual experience and everyone was crowding around. I think it was technically dogging. <laughs> but I was 18, so I didn't know what was going on. The word dogging wasn't around them. Was it not? What that, was it, then? it was just, just Friday disgusting. night. <laughs> it was just Friday night. It was just a teenage party. It was called a, um, yeah, just a gathering. Oh, it was awful. Everyone was going, go on, Will. And I was thinking, I don't want to. I'm gay. Really? I'm gay. You know I lost my I'm virginity in deal with my two best friends listening through the wall. Going, come on, Chris. <laughs> this is my straight virginity. I very much doubt she's listening. I was trying things out. I was confused. I wonder how many people thought because I always knew I was gay hmm. I didn't think oh I'm straight and now oh, I'm gay really? yeah, I always knew I remember when I was going out with my girlfriend I would go afterwards because I was at boarding school I would go into the bathroom and go what are you doing looking in the mirror really yeah I just it was quite traumatic so was she lying in bed no not while she was there <laughs> she can hear you yeah. in the bathroom so right, I'm just going for a wee what are you doing <laughs> We've had an email. Oh, God. We've had an email. We had a complaint. We have had a complaint. Oh, Nanny. Shut your ears, Nanny. <laughs> it's very sensitive. A pertinent suggestion from... Is it my mother? Michael Pestano. Oh, it's my mother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Chris and Will. Hashtag Homo Sapiens podcast. The hashtag is far too long as it uses up too many characters in one tweet. <sighs> Too many characters gone before you even start. So we need a new hashtag. Thank you for that feedback, because I actually yeah. do think that's very informative. Thank you, Will's mum. Um, thank, you, thank you, Annabelle. The thing is, people just hashtag homo sapiens, uh, whether we, we ask them or not. It's like a wedding hashtag, right? When you go to a wedding now, everyone does a hashtag on their Instagram. No one uses the actual one. They just make one up. We had 
Chris and Will wedding. But no one used that. They were like, hashtag Will and Chris, hashtag Will and Chris Grease. You know, no one used that. Do you want to say what happened in your, at your wedding? Uh, when you walked... Are you talking about the bit where I fell over? When, it's not for me to share. First things first, the other person in this room is the vicar who married us. <gasps> Mia culpa. <laughs> <laughs> Leg- legally binding. Guilty, Your Honour. Um, Guilty as charged. Yeah. Um, it was your first outing as a celebrant, should we say? And it was... It was your tri- last. <laughs> I was fired. What does that tell I did you? say if anyone else wants to use me, but I didn't get any offers. Mm. Um, that, was, that took up most of the ceremony, actually. Get, I, there was one so point. So that's 0743. <laughs> <laughs> Let me set the scene. Beautiful, beautiful Greek island. Mm-hmm. Chris and Will hiding in the trees, waiting. All the guests arrive on a boat. I've had to rush down and get rid of some Italian tourists by singing Like My Fire. You did. And that was <laughs> hell on earth. You and were then, like, I know how to do it. I know, I know. how to get rid of them. The, don't worry, I'll get rid of them. We get there. All the guests are there. It's so romantic. The music starts playing. Mm. And, and then Brune. And Brune. And then you and Will walk down. Amazing suits. Beautifully handsome. Amazing couple. Gets to the second verse. Chris falls on a rock. In front of all 120 people. But everyone cheered. I know. And then it sort of broke the ice, actually. Under my breath, I don't think you heard me, but I was like, stupid fucker. You know, as I was flicking flicking through the order of service. It's like, Jesus Christ. They haven't even put my ad about being a celebrant in here. (laughs) This bloody perm again. God. (laughs) Stop all the clocks. I did this in Kent. (laughs) Stop on the funeral one. Yeah. Stop the dog from chewing on a juicy ball. Oh, sorry, wrong, wrong mum. That's what we said we were going to do at a wedding, wasn't it? Oh, what, what? Do if you... someone asked you to read, do a reading at their wedding, to get up at the front and go, stop all the clocks, <laughs> cut off the telephone, <laughs> prevent the dog from barking with this juicy bun. <laughs> no one could stop you. They wouldn't no, stop you. No, You were our celebrant. You were really good. And then you sang a song at our wedding as well. I did. I don't think you asked me, but I thought, screw it. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. When they you, got me all night. They when paid. You, when you go, <laughs> when you grabbed the mic from my hand as I was trying to do a speech, it was an amazing wedding. <coughs> and it was, Is this on? It was. It was. <laughs> this thing on. <laughs> Feedback. Fucking. Where's the reverb? Ask Twitter. Clothes. There is a lot of things in and around clothes for LGBT people. We asked everyone on Twitter, "What's your go-to outfit to feel great?" Jim Watson says a pink shell suit. A lot of people are saying pyjamas, and quite frankly, I'd spend my life in pyjamas if I could. The freedom of my birthday suit, Stuart Curry. Well, that comes back to our streaking thing. Listen, so I know you don't want to hear about it, but I'm going to say it. When I was at the World Athletics Championships... Mm. um, You haven't been there, have you? Yes, I went there. Oh, Oh, you're joking. Um, There'd been a streaker, and we'd we'd been talking about streakers. And I was so There was a streaker? Yeah. So tempted to run across. Everyone looked at your seat, it was empty. Stuart L. Walker has um, tweeted himself in a kilt. Now, you see, men in a kilt. Love it. Fine. Men in a dress. Still weird, isn't it? Still, it's still weird. weird that people find it weird. I remember I wrote an article, but I don't think anyone wanted to publish it. But it was like, 
why are men in kilts acceptable? Why are men in sarongs, let's say, in Hawaii acceptable? Or As a kid, I always used to wear dresses. I grew up with my sister and four other girls who were very close friends. They always wanted to play princesses and they needed a prince. I was the only boy there. I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not playing the prince. <laughs> I want one of the dresses. So I spent a load of my time in dresses as a kid. And I remember very clearly going to a party as a princess or something and all the other kids being like really horrified that I was in a dress and my parents had told me I'd never said anything so it was odd to experience their shock my dad had left at that point so I was like I'm stuck here in a dress now can I say that's amazing that your parents did that yes my dad showed me a picture of Chris Evans mm. and he was at a I think a premiere with his son who was in a dress an oh. amazing dress I mean he looks about sort of seven or eight or something that's brilliant I think it's really cool like I wear dresses mm. and I feel really masculine in a dress what does it make you feel? I feel very masculine because I feel that I'm owning it and that I can wear this dress and I look good in it. Mm. I normally wear them with boots. So it's not, I'm not cross-dressing. There's nothing mm. wrong with that. I'm not doing that. I'm not wearing a dress because I'm gay either. Mm. I'm wearing it because I want to wear a freaking dress. And it's taken me a long time to kind of be that confident. I went out in a dress the other day. No one batted an eyelid. Really? No one better than I did. But no one cares. I don't think they do care now. <clears throat> I mean, there's that amazing musical, isn't there, that Dan Thingy from The Feelings done about the kid that went to school in a dress. Really? Yeah, I think it's done, it's done really well. Not that I'm jealous. I just think clothes can do a lot. And I think we should just be able to wear what we want to wear. It does say a lot, but also it kind of says nothing. So it's a weird one. Yeah, and there is, I think, women dressing in men's clothes... Our listeners may correct me, but I don't feel like there's much problems around that. But a man in a dress is still a thing. You know what I think is really cool? And I'm not a follower of fashion, as anyone would see by what I wear. However, oh, hang on a oh, second. Stop, stop it. Stop really? it. Gosh, yeah. really? These are just linen. This um, old thing. J.W. Anderson. Yes. Craig Green. Both really embraced the kind of dress thing. Obviously, back in the day, John Paul Gaultier, people like that. I think it was J.W. Anderson who did a completely unisex collection, so it was neither male nor female. I think that's really interesting. I like people that test the boundaries of what people can wear, because basically, who made up the rules? That's my point. Who made up the rules, and why do the rules just have to be, you can wear a kilt, but you can't wear a skirt? So H&M, it says here, have added... Um, it's named to a growing list of fashion heavyweights abandoning the ideas of gender-specific clothing. So that makes you a zeitgeist. Oh my God, um, please let me be a zeitgeist. Is it hard work being at the forefront 24-7? I've always said never be cool because if you're cool, then you have to suddenly be uncool. Mm. That's, that's how I live my life. <laughs> Time now for Chris's chat with Bissy Alimi. It is incredibly inspiring. The guy has been through, well, a lot and he is positive. He's beaming with life, beaming with energy. And I think it's inspirational. He's from Nigeria, which is not a supportive country towards LGBTQ plus people, to say the least. It's illegal to be gay in Nigeria still. And if you do come out, you are ostracised from your family. You 
very likely to be beaten. There's lots of corrective kind of facilities there. So people who are gay, they try and go through the corrective therapy and they get shamed, beaten up, killed. So imagine all of that context. Now imagine what would happen if you came out on national TV. Well, that's exactly what Bissy did. He's an incredible man. He's so inspirational. And he's a really brave pioneer for LGBT rights in Nigeria and all over the world. So here's Chris with Bissy Alimi. The first thing to talk about is you just got married, which is amazing. <laughs> yes. So tell me about that. It was a very lovely day for us to have our friends from all over the world to mm. come and celebrate that day with us. And it was also very, for me personally, you know, coming from a country where I can get married, mm. where even conceiving such idea will land me in jail for 14 years. Mm. And him coming from Australia, where the concept of marriage is not recognized by the state. So we're kind of like two rebels in love. Mm. And it was really nice. It was, um, it was fun. It was so much alcohol. And there was so much politics as well. So <laughs> it was really nice. <laughs> and how did you two meet? Oh, so we met on that app called Grinder, you know. Okay. Yes, so you found app. love on Grinder, which is rare. Yeah, because we, we actually ask that we dance to we find love in awkward places. <laughs> because it was really awkward for how the whole thing just started. Really? And I was on Grinder, and I was just chatting to this man for about three or four hours. And after that, we just decided to say, oh, let's have a cup of tea. So let's meet at Elephant and Castle and and then I just saw him and was oh, he's cute. We spent about, I think it was about 10 minutes together just walking. And all of a sudden he said, oh, I think I left my iron on. He said that? He said that. He said, oh, I, I need to go and... We all know that one. Ah, okay then. <laughs> I get that. I've heard that before. So, so he, he went home and I just went back to my cousins. And I was tired, so I crashed. And... I woke up, I think it was an hour later, and I've, mm. I've had about 15 missed calls and 10 text messages. Do you still want me to come? Are you there? Oh, and I was like, oh. And I just picked up my phone and I was so bitchy about it. And I said, oh, I thought you didn't like me. So you used your getaway uh, line. And I was like, no, 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 no. I actually thought I left my iron on. Really? No, but I, no. So he came back and um, so I made dinner, we ate and we, we, we chatted. And that was it. Really? That was it. That's how we started the relationship. And what did you do for the day? Did you make it a sort of public part of your life as well? Did you put it on Instagram and stuff? Or did no. you keep it private? No. I, I think I was being mischievous for, for, <laughs> for two reasons. Mm. Because leading up to the wedding, I was talking about it on Instagram. So mm. I, was, I was doing 30 days of thankfulness. So people were expecting that on the day of the wedding, mm. there will be pictures. So we got to the wedding venue and we appealed to everyone to say, please, don't take pictures. And if you must take, if you must take pictures, do not post them online mm. until the next day. And the reason is we know that the Nigerian media will be sitting online mm. waiting for any pictures to pick. And, and up to now, the official pictures are not out. And wow. people are still, the media is still saying, where is the official picture? And it's like, Mm. I don't know. I'm not going to, I will release them when I want to release them. Mm. So that kind of like, it, it gave us the opportunity to enjoy the day. So I didn't have to mm. 
worry about oh my god what is written out there and what are they saying and no there was mm. nothing like that we just focused on the day and it was it was beautiful and, and again you know the wedding <coughs> was considered groundbreaking because that's the first mm. time an openly high profiled gay Nigerian will be getting married so there's so much attention that by the next day it was on the front page of um, the biggest selling newspaper in Nigeria. We've calculated it and it's over 40 articles that people have written, opinion pieces that people have written about the implication that means for social norms or traditional values or family values in Nigeria. And I was like, you know, we're just two grown-ups in love. Do you really mean to? I don't Mm. even care. But that's just how powerful Mm. it's been. To go back to the beginning, let's start with where were you born? So I was <laughs> I was born in a ghetto. So I always pride myself for for coming from the ghetto. Um, so I was born in a slum, in a place um, called Mushin, mm-hmm. um, in Lagos State. So it's on the mainland of Lagos. So anybody who has been to Lagos before would know where this is. It's really rough. Mm. And um, I was born into a polygamous family. So my father has two wives. And my mother happened to be the second wife. Mm-hmm. My father was a police officer. My mom worked in a university. My father is a, is a Muslim, still a Muslim. And my mother was a Muslim. Then she became um, an evangelical Christian. And I, I spent a lot of time more with my um, grandmom. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very close to my grandmom. Went to a local primary school. And it was while I was in primary school, I started realizing that I'm, I'm quite artistic. Mm-hmm. In a way, so I, but also um, my relationship with my mom was not very good. Hence, why I spent a lot of time with my grandmother because we're two boys, and my mom openly so loved my brother more than me. So I was that boy that you don't want, but has come along and other. So it was very tough. And what I did growing up was spending a lot, a lot of my time reading and just trying to by love, by paying so much attention to my education and trying to do well in school. And I always get that. So at the end of time that I've done well and I'm winning prizes, my parents are always happy and then it lasts for one week and, you know, it goes back to business as usual. So it was, um, it was by the time I was getting to about 10, 11, I kind of like started feeling that something might just be a little bit off with me, for, if I can say that. And I remember I had my first kiss in primary school when I was 11. Your first kiss with a when boy a guy. Or, uh, with a guy. <laughs> oh my God, you were so Katy Perry. <laughs> 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 oh my God, I kissed a guy and I loved it. <laughs> uh, it was nice. And then I, I went off to secondary school and it was all boys. So that put me in a position where experimenting with my sexuality or trying to discover myself was becoming quite interesting because now mm. I am among this group of boys with so much testosterone and you know and believe me when guys are left alone uh, and this is not an assumption because I spent six years with boys all my life they would do anything <laughs> when their aggro is on Good boys on. will do anything when the what? their aggro uh, you know yeah, yeah. sexual orgies and mm. but it was it was very interesting to see how this was going on and to a lot of my 
friends then or a lot of guys that I've had flings with in secondary school he was as it was considered as oh it's just what we do because there are no gays but when girls come along then we don't do that so a lot of them actually got confused when they realized oh but we've moved on we're now married with children why are you still like this mm. and so they think that was just a thing that, yeah yeah that's what you do when you're a boy my husband William went to boarding school and like that's all they ever used to do it's just get off with each other now they're all married and I'm like yeah they just I really never had any of that I didn't know what I was missing <laughs> but it, it also didn't, they never want to talk about it anymore mm. they don't mention mm. it anymore you studied theatre? yes so I went to the university to study theatre art I wanted to be a lawyer okay. but I was not intelligent enough so the next thing <laughs> I'm I... Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't become a lawyer. I'm really glad. I would have become such a... We wouldn't a have a gay rights movement. Well, it could have happened, you know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but then I, I was given as an option um, to study theatre arts. So I just jumped at it and I said, Oh, yes, I want to be an actor all my life. This is what I was born to do. And it was a very interesting four years for me in the university. And by the time I was in my fourth year, I had my first TV break and I was, um, I was playing a lead role on, on a TV soap and I was dating for all the wrong reasons in the world. I was dating this country correspondent for an international magazine who is an elderly white guy. Mm-hmm. Everything wrong with it. Because, you know, in Nigeria, if you're seen, if you're a woman seen with a white guy, uh, people question what you're doing with those mm-hmm. sheer prostitutes. Especially the hanging out with white. If you're a guy with a white guy, like, mm, they're doing something. And so the interest started. Oh, what could this boy be doing with this elderly white guy? And they always spend time together. And Was he out? That's a very good question because I know for certain that he had a wife here. It's, it's, right. It was actually English, and I'm sure he must be dead by now. And it was that relationship that was going to out me in 2004 and that made me come out publicly on TV. So you'd kind of become a high-profile figure yeah. in Nigeria and people were seeing you around with this guy. And then, so somebody outed you or tried to? Yeah, right? somebody tried to. So a newspaper tried to. They were going to actually go to press with it. And my, I think my agent freaked her out. <laughs> so, oh my God, what are we going to do? And I remember that I was having, I was having a meeting with them and they were like, you know, we have three options. We have to get you a girl now, and you have to be seen, you know, with this girl, take pictures with this girl, hang out with this girl, and maybe, you know, after a few months, you announce your engagement, and then you get married. Wow. Um, or we're just going to announce that you're getting married, so we don't waste time that there's this girl, blah, 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 or you come out, which we're not going to allow you to do. But the stupid thing, the guy who had the scope, did was to send the pictures to mm-hmm. us. So we had a copy of the pictures. Right. And it was like, I'm giving you a week and this is what I want. My co-lead um, actor has a dark secret and he wanted a secret. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And he, and he knows that I know about what she had done. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me to look better than And I refused. And he was like, okay, it's either you tell me to confirm what I know, because I know. And he, he, he knew what he was talking about. Or I will out you. Really? So it was a very... He blackmailed you? It was, it was blackmail. I told my agent that this is pure blackmail. Mm-hmm. And this is a battle I'm not going to win. Because if I don't, it will out me. If I do, I'll be betraying a friend. So I decided to practically just come out. <laughs> to be honest, I still don't know why I did it. Uh, maybe that's a part of me that feels. Maybe it's just going to make me very famous. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. <laughs> or maybe it's just going to screw up my life. And But I just decided, you know, I, and I remember telling my agent that I said I'm gonna come out so how are we gonna do it and so this this big TV show you know New Dawn watched by almost all Nigerians and said you know there's no better place to do it let's go do it there and I I, I went on the TV show was it live or pre-recorded so the show is always live mm-hmm. but that particular um, um, edition was recorded and it was funny because when it was on TV, people went to the studio. Really? To attack us at the studio and they just couldn't find us there. And I was home, I was watching it. Just like my mother was at work, she was watching it. My dad was at home, he was watching it. Everyone, everyone was watching it. And I was like, my God, what happened? Did I just, did I do this? What have I just done? And then my, my boyfriend then um, was with me. And I remembered after the show, he just looked at me and just said, you're screwed. A few hours later, I got a call from my agent and said, well, I'm sorry to tell you, your character is dead. And I was like, well, that was quick. I knew it was going to happen, but I was not expecting it. Your character so, on the show. Yeah, skid up like that. Oh, that was the day I had my first beating, actually. So I live in an estate. And in the estate that I live, my my flat is actually in a very secluded area. So you have to go through like a bush path to get to. That is like, you can easily get attacked within it. And I was coming back at night and Nigeria Nigeria always had problems with electricity. So there was no light. There was total darkness. And I didn't know that these guys were following me and they followed me into just about the paths to enter my flat and I was beaten like oh we want you out of this estate we're not going to allow you to live here you cannot come here and teach our brothers bad things and I was beaten and and then that started happening over and over and over and over initially I get scared of it and you know sometimes when it doesn't happen I just like oh my god nobody saying anything and I'm walking down the street and people cannot even see that I'm walking what's going on and like and so you just kind of like just get used to it and then that was just the beginning of one of the most difficult and darkest period of my life I can only imagine. nobody was going to give me a job 
no scripts, nothing, not even to play extras. Mm. Nobody. And then I went, I said, oh, maybe if I go into teaching, that will help. Nobody. I couldn't get a job anywhere. But at that time, because I'd come out, a lot of gay people now have a reference point mm. of who to go to. So people will come to my house with their problems and like, oh, I've just been kicked out of the house. I have these problems. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I started um, an organization to say, okay, let's just find a way of trying to support each other. And because this is what my life is going to, possibly this is how my, my life is going to end up as. And uh, because at, at the moment I come out, my, uh, my family had called a family meeting and I've been told never to come to the family house anymore. Wow. Um, I was asked to drop my family name, which I did. So I completely had nothing to do with, with my family. So this group of gay men became my family, my friends, my everything. And we were hanging out. And, you know, we, we, we had shared pain. To go back, before I became really famous, a friend of mine, and my very close friend at the university, died of AIDS. Mm. And we're very close. And I remember visiting him in the hospital. And he was like, you know, amongst us, you're the, you're the one that is very vocal, very out there, because then I've become very political. And he said, you know, if there's anyone that can create a level of consciousness about HIV and AIDS, you can do it. Right. So by yeah. the time I lost acting, so the next thing I could fall on to mm. fulfill the promise that I made to him was activism. So I automatically became the spokesperson, the gay poster boy in Nigeria, in a way. Folded into that, then you sort of had to become the HIV poster boy as well. Because yeah. they're two very different things, but also two things that are really misunderstood, I imagine. Yes, exactly. And, but also, the reason why it was very easy for me to link the HIV to gay rights was because I was talking gay rights from the position of HIV. So it wasn't about, oh, we want to hold hands, we want to have pride. It was about, can we have access to medication? Can we have services that will not discriminate against us? That within the HIV policy framework that we have in this country, can you include men who have sex with with men. Because they it, weren't included. Because they were not included in it. So that was predominantly the work that I was doing. So like I said, I wouldn't consider it as LGBT rights work. It wasn't it was yeah. about, you know, we're dying. I never thought I was gonna leave the country. Really? No. Why did you leave the country? On the evening of the night of April two thousand and seven, that was when my house was broken into and I was almost killed. And it was the most traumatic experience of my life, actually. It was that close to being killed. It was just, I still do not know why those guys did not pull the trigger. Because one was like, just get rid of him and let us go. And it didn't happen. So Nigeria has a law. So if you are wounded and you have blood or anything and you go to the hospital, doctors are not obliged to treat you. So what you have to do is to go to the police station because we have high crime rates. Mm. So you have to go to the police station and get a police report that you're not a criminal, you're not an armed robber or something like that. And they can once they're able to confirm that, even if you're dying, they have to confirm that. Then you take the police report to the hospital and then the hospital will treat you of your wounds. So that night, at about midnight, 
with blood and I was in my underwear because it stripped me naked. So I was left with my underwear and I ran to the police station in my pants. So this was, must be about, because they came into my house around 9 p.m. And by the time they left, it was past 11 going to 12. Wow. Because I knew I was at a past 12 at a police station when I got the police report. So I, and I, I went to the hospital, but the police was like, you have to come back in the morning to actually lodge a complaint. And so we can take a statement about what happened. And by the time I got back to the police station, I was on the tent. Um, the police said that they heard reports that I was using my house as a place to turn people gay. Mm-hmm. That was what I was doing. But the bandage and everything, I was detained. Remember, my father was a police officer, so they called for my dad and they released me to my dad. My father came out and he was like, well, you know, this is your life. Look at the way you look at what you've turned yourself into. Um, you become a disgrace. You become somebody nobody wants to touch. You're ashamed to everyone. And my mother was like, so what did they tell you? Well, I said, the police officer told us to get rid of him or they would get rid of him. And, you know, my mother just said, well, maybe you should just get out of the country. Maybe by then you'll stop bringing this shame to this family. I was like, I don't know anyone mm. in the UK. I don't know anyone. And he just said, oh, you know, my sister is there. She'll be able to put you up until you're able to sort yourself out. And when you get there, please don't go and disgrace yourself again. And that was how I landed in London. And then, because I'm hearing a lot of, like, rock bottoms... This he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I came to London and that started another drama in my life. I had to, because that's how we could get back, use a fake passport to get a job. And I got a job with Topshop, so I was working at Topshop. And then my aunt started that drama. It was about, oh my God, you're gay. Oh God. She, because she was a pastor. I met this guy on. Gator, I think I met him on Gator, and we started a relationship. So he brought me some level of security mm. that I wasn't getting from my aunt because then I know that, oh, if I go home now, my aunt's gonna nag. And that was going on, and one day I was at work and I got a text message from him saying, Oh, I'm not feeling too well, I've got the flu, blah blah blah. So after work, I will come. So I got to his house, I knocked on the door, and a guy, a black guy, opened the door. And I said, hi, my name is Bissy, I'm here to see Mark. So, oh, you're Bissy, oh, I've heard a lot about you. And I said, okay. So I came in, so sit down, would you like to um, have a cup of tea or something like that? And I said, oh, no, 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 I, I can make my own cup of tea. I said, no, 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 I'll make you a cup of tea, you're welcome. And I, he went to the kitchen, I was like, what's going on here? And then Mark came out, and um, I go, oh, I didn't know you were coming. I said, but I told you I was coming, so, okay. Meet my husband, Henry. Henry met Bessie. And I was like, what's going on here? And I was like, what's going on here? So they told me, no, they've been together, but they don't care. And I was like, oh, no, no. You might care. No. (laughs) So I got on the train and I went home and I was was so angry. And then my aunt was still home nagging and... And I think she did it for me when one of her friends was, was visiting from Canada 
And after morning devotion, they called me. I was, I was rushing to work by morning. So oh, come here. Um, how old are you now? And I said, oh, I'm 32. And how much do you weigh? Because I was very skinny. I've always been very skinny. And said, oh, I don't know. And they turned to my aunt and said, have you got um, a scale at home? And she said, yes. So they were going to bring the scale. So I went upstairs. I brought the scale. I said, get on it. I got on it. And the next thing he said, looking at me, he said, oh, I think you've got AIDS. Because your body max index doesn't fit your age and your height and everything. And she, he just turned to my aunt. I think your, your nephew has got AIDS. And I was standing there. I was still dealing with broken heart. And then you just standing there, a doctor, just say that so casually. And I was like, <sighs> and then another guy started coming into my life gradually. I met him on Grindr, on Gator as well. So he started coming into my life and I was talking to him, but I was still upset. So I gave him the phone number of the house and not my mobile phone. So we would call the house every day and my aunt would come and say, all this, I don't know whether you've seen a Nigerian aunt before. No. Can you tell all your homosexual friends to stop calling this house? <laughs> tell all your homosexual friends. <laughs> and I was like, yes, if there's anything I'm gaining, I'm pissing you off and I'm telling that man to stop calling me. And this guy will not stop. Until I gave him my mobile phone number and I met him. And he was such a very lovely guy. He was really lovely. And I think it was about a month after we met. And my aunt was really giving me hell. And he was like, do you want to move in with me? And after thinking about it for some time, I told him, he said, well, I will give it a try. And that was how Andrew and I moved in. I was started living together. And it was so romantic. And then I left Topshop and I went to work for NAS Projects, which is an HIV organization. So that was the first time I actually had a proper job in this country. But I was still working on Fit Passport. You know, all of a sudden my life just... Things came, came together. back together again, and I was just getting along. I was doing what I love. I would, it was showing me England. It would take me to Brighton, to Canterbury, to different parts, and trying to show me things. And then disaster came again. This <laughs> year I can't take it. I know. <laughs> and um, it was sometime in December, still in two thousand and seven. E. I had the flu early December and by December, I think 13th or so, and it was so sad. It was sick everywhere. And I was like, my God, what am I going to do? What's wrong with it? I think it was December 12th. And um, took him to the family GP the next morning. And this is your boyfriend who you'd moved in with? Yes. And they said, oh, it's just flu. It's nothing serious. I'm just... Take this, take this, take him back home. So I took him back home and wasn't getting better. So on Thursday, I woke up and I wasn't feeling too well. So I decided, and it was gotten really, really bad. So we, I called the doctor again. He came and he said, I need to take him to the ANE. So I brought him to the ANE at King's and he was admitted. And while we were there, his health just deteriorated completely. And I was like, my God, what is going to flu? And that was on Thursday, by Saturday was dead. And I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? <laughs> and, um, and everything just 
came crashing down again. And I remember his mom came and his mom said, oh, my son was never gay. My son never told me he was gay, blah, 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 blah. So you have to leave. And people say, you're just staying with him. You're just his lodger, so you have to leave. Was he British? He's British. He was so, white British. But right. he never had any relationship with his mom. Right. So, and because I'm not his next of king, his mom has come and... Right. So that was why I was thrown out in the middle of the winter, my very first winter in this country. And I remember that for a couple of days, I would just slip off. So by that time, depression, my depression has reached another level because I can't go back to Nigeria. And the only thing I think of every time is just keep myself. So I became extremely suicidal. I would take poison, I would do things and like I would, they would rush me to do. It got so bad at Lewisham Hospital, they know me very well. That when they bring him in, it's oh gosh, they brought this boy again. <laughs> I was like, and when it was getting really worse, my doctor sectioned me and I was locked up inside a mental institution in, inside Lewisham Hospital for about, I think it was two weeks. And my best friend joked about it because when I asked him, he said, Oh, I will call your people now, they'll come and take you and lock you up again. <laughs> and it was. And what were you diagnosed with? Um, depression. Right. Yeah. I was clinically depressed. Mm. And after some time, they released me to another friend. And then I came back again and they released me. And it was by February when it was getting out of hand. A friend of mine who was working for UK Lesbian and Gay Immigration Group just came and said, maybe it's time for you to seek asylum. Mm. But just know that if you seek asylum, they might deport you. Not the just give you your papers. We don't know, but you never know until you try. And so I put my papers together. They got me a lawyer. I applied for asylum on the 28th of February. I remember that very well. And I was, because I was... Um, what year? 2008. Okay. Because I was... Um, oh, what's this? A destitute. Is it called? Destitute. Yes. Yeah, because I don't have any address. I don't have anything. So they moved me to Wakefield. And then from Wakefield, they moved me to Middlesbrough and they gave me um, a room in a four-bedroom apartment that I shared with other people. And um, by the 13th of March, I got my papers. And because by then I've lost my job because I had to come out to my boss I don't have my papers. Like, oh, no, 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 I have to sack you now. <laughs> so when I got my papers, I ran. I said, I've got my papers. And I said, oh, work, we still have your job. Come back. And since then, you know, life has had its up and down, but no more drama. No more I'm drama. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I can't take any more. No, no more drama. But so now you have the Bissi Alimi Foundation and... That's going from strength to strength. And for so many people, you represent so much. What would you like to happen next? After all the things that you've been through and survived and fought against, where would you like to go next? I think the next big thing I wanted was to actually say I do to this gentleman, which I had the opportunity now as in to get married to get to married your, to your then boyfriend now yeah. husband who is now my husband that has happened now and I'm, I'm really really happy with that and I, I would love a place where I can just be still just take it all in you know how far I've come how my life has you know completely 
you know, just turn around, think, and not just being a British citizen, but the level of acceptance of who I am as a refugee who is now British, who is gay in this country. You know, I think it was 2011, that was the first time I got listed on the rainbow list. And, you know, that was just about, say, roughly three years after I got my refugee status. So that shows that, you know, how much I've, I've been welcomed in this country. And it was, for me, really nice, but I've never taken time to take it all in, to appreciate it. Mm. So that's what I'm thinking of for honeymoon, that we go somewhere that is very spiritual, that there's a lot of calmness, a lot of mm. stillness. I'm still trying to blackmail him to have children, but that's not working. But I really want to have a family as well. I really would love to have a family and see LGBT liberation in Nigeria. Then I can say my work is done. Your work is done when LGBT acceptance or what level would it have to be? Yeah, I, I'm not so keen about marriage, but my work is done when I know that if a lesbian or gay or a bisexual or a trans person comes out in Nigeria, it's okay. Mm. And people will say, oh, really? Mm. Is that news? That is when I know that, okay. Then some people can talk about marriage. Some people can take it to the next step. And I think for me, that is the big thing. And that is the whole idea behind the BC Anime Foundation. Mm-hmm. It's about our process of accelerating social acceptance of LGBT people in Nigeria. Well, Busy, none of it would be happening if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much for everything that you've done. We are so lucky to have people like you on this planet. Oh, thank you very much. And thanks for the great, <laughs> thanks for the great work that you're doing as well. And thanks for no. considering me to be part of it. Oh, no, we loved it. We're so pleased you said yes. So thank you. Okay. That was amazing. Thank and we're going to cook rice now. Yeah, yeah, let's cook some rice. Yes. Can I help you? Then? Um, I think I've finished most of it. Okay. I'm to the rice. I'm so pleased to add a happy ending. I know, he's found love. How was the dinner? The dinner was delicious. Bissy cooked it all himself. His lovely husband came and his friend came. And we, uh, we all had dinner together. Please drop us a line. We like to discuss with you your feedback. We like hearing from you. It is about talking and creating a community. The thing that makes us happy I mean, is... my neighbours hate me, so I might as well try and get it somewhere. <laughs> the thing that makes us happiest is people getting in touch with us and reading all your emails and all your tweets is really fun. And it's a discussion. So we'd love to know what you thought of that Bissy interview. Chris... Mm. How do they get in touch with us, please? Email hello at homosapienspodcast.com. It's a long strap line, but it's what we've decided. You can get in touch by Twitter by tweeting at Will Young with the hashtag homosapiens. It's a long strap line, but it's the one we've decided. Well, no, we've made it shorter now. Oh, have we? Mm-hmm. It's a shorter strap line, but it's the one we've decided. Um, it's a strong and stable leadership, that's what <laughs> that is. Earlier we asked, what's your go-to feel-good outfit. A lot of pyjamas came in at number mm. one. And this was charts, p- pyjamas. Number one. Pyjamas. Pyjamas. Can we go to that chap mm. that had an amazing outfit? Oh, Richard Clark Monks. He is wearing a kind of hot pink Sergeant Pepper Admiral's jacket, would you say? With a sort of Admiral's hat. I think he's wearing... What's going on in the... Crystal pattern shorts. He's very cool. Can we send him a t-shirt, please? I know it's not part of... Technically part of... Richard Clark Monks, please do get in touch and we'll send you a t-shirt. And please customise that t-shirt because I think you can do a good job. And then send us a pic. Please, please, please.
How do people win a t-shirt, Chris? Well, they have to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Each week we look at our favourite review and we read them out. You can be the proud owner of a Homo Sapiens t-shirt. Do not put near a naked flame. Um, <laughs> so I had a funny email today from Ross Farquhar. Hmm? Good name. Saying... Hi, Chris and Will. I'm on the tube, happily listening away to the extra episode of Homo Sapiens from Friday, and I think I've won Review of the Week. This is so much better than when I won a talent show age 13 for singing Julia Says by Wet Wet Wet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> very excited to get my Homo Sapiens podcast t-shirt. Slight snafu, it wasn't for Ross Farquhar who won. How did that happen? I think he's trying it on. You know what? I think he is trying it on. It's Ross Chamil who won. Oh, who's Ross. also emailed. Um, oh, see, they don't like it. They ain't happy. You can spot a liar as me. So we've had two Rosses, Ross Farquhar and Ross Chamil. I don't feel that we can send Ross Farquhar his T-shirt because he didn't win. What about, what's this in my pocket? A pound coin? <laughs> we can, it's, a, it's a pound coin. Should we flip it? No, because we've already picked the winner. Let's flip it. Oh, no, that, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Heads or tails for Farquhar? Heads for Farquhar. It's a weird thing to say. It's the only time I've ever caught anything in my life. Did you say heads for Farquhar? It's tails. It's Ross. Shamil gets it then. We left it to chance. The right person has got it. Sorry, Mr. Farquhar. But I do, I'm really pleased about the talent show. <laughs> That's very funny. Could I want to clip that. Of that. Should we yeah, just we'll, send of course we'll send you we'll one. Send of course you we'll one. send you so one. So let us know your address, both Rosses, please. What um, a pushover. That's it. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week, but not before an episode of Homo Sapiens Extra, where we read your reviews on Apple Podcasts and we give someone a big prize, a T-shirt. Time for the jingle. Oh. Everybody's free. <laughs> Everybody's free. Homo sapiens, homo sapiens, homo sapiens, to to feel good. Ooh, I like that. Thanks for listening. Go well. I hate it when people say go well. Do they say that? It's like they say journey. I think, oh, fuck off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavor? dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 